I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the social index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Tom Klein, Chief Marketing Officer at MailChimp. Tom leads MailChimp's marketing team and is responsible for all of MailChimp's marketing and strategic partnerships. He's an authority on digital marketing, e-commerce, and brand strategy, and more than 20 years of experience with some of the most interesting brands, including Chanel, Nabisco, and now MailChimp. On the show today, we talk about his work at this nexus, if you will, of marketing and technology, and how MailChimp maintains its brand personality and how they think about managing the creativity that they're able to achieve both inside the company as well as with external partners. I hope you enjoy the show today. Well, Tom, welcome to the show. Thanks, Alan. It's great to be here. It's nice to have you. I love MailChimp, so this is going to be fun. Uh, That's always well, good to hear. Well, why don't we start off with your background and how you came to be the CMO at MailChimp? Wow. Okay. So I've been interested in the intersection of marketing and technology kind of forever. When I got out of college, I was a CPA. I actually worked in accounting, which sounds super strange. 
And I think when I went back to business school, I decided I wanted to study marketing. But I think what was happening behind the scenes there was I was using technology at the time. And I was always the person that even before then, before college and high school, I was always interested in, you know, I had a TRS-80 and I was doing adventure gaming. And <laughs> I think even in college, I had a Prodigy account, a CompuServe account, an AOL account very, very <laughs> early. Which was prodigy. Prodigy, I know. Can you believe it? <laughs> yeah, illustrious joint venture of IBM and Sears. And, you know, I think when I went back to business school and I decided I was really more wired for marketing and I studied, went to work for Nabisco and had a classic kind of brand management role and worked in the cookie and cracker business. And I think from there, I decided I moved to management consulting and then made another stop at Chanel. And I think, you know, each of these instances, I always have had this straddle between marketing and technology. Even when I was at Chanel, obviously, it's a big brand and a really kind of an incredible business. But I also had kind of a straddle between marketing strategy and basically the technology business, which in that instance was how do I get a fashion show to run on a point of sale system? So more recently, I was working in the software development business with my identical twin brother. And MailChimp was actually a client of mine. And so I had worked on Mandrel. I had worked on a bunch of different sort of innovation-related projects. And I probably met Ben about 10 years ago. Hmm. And so I've been following MailChimp, and I've been an avid reader of the blog for such a long time. And so that's sort of a long story of how I got here. It turned out to be more than a project. It's There's a lot of marketing going on because we don't have a sales force. So marketing takes on a lot of activities. Right, right. You've hopped around. I mean, not. I don't mean that in a bad sense. You've just had a lot of different types of companies that you've worked for. And Chanel and MailChimp, in my mind, couldn't be more different. But do you see them as different or do you see them as kind of similar in any way? They're weirdly similar. They're both private companies, which I think gives a brand, when you think about it, a lot of sort of brand and marketing decisions require a long-term perspective. So not being sort of yoked to a, a quarterly public earnings call can let you look beyond you know, the next three months and say, okay, what is really good for customers? What is the right thing to do? And so MailChimp and Chanel have that in common. Well, you talked about this, you know, working in the intersection of marketing and technology. Why do you think you landed there and what attracts you to that space? You know, that's so strange. I feel like marketing a lot of times lives in the future. Mm. You know, it's our job to kind of, it's sort of the land of marketing and strategy is to connect with people. And also it's sort of like where things get applied. And I think the technology world has been a lot of it has been, how do I understand, you know, what's weird is marketing technology hasn't been so much about how do I make marketing things, but more like, how do I understand my customer better? Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably those two pieces together. And also, I think there's a, a weird connection between creativity and like what can feel like hard science together. I don't know why everything, whenever I describe things, it feels like chocolate and peanut butter. But, you know, there's always these two pieces that kind of come together, you know? Right, right. And you mentioned something to me, I think, the last time we talked, which is using, I guess, marketing technology to connect 
other human beings. And if you could have smart robots really helping you do those things in a much more efficient way, marketing automation, I don't always think about it as being helpful. <laughs> right. Do you think it's scary or? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it can be scary. It can seem complex, especially if you're stepping into it for the first time. How do you think about marketing automation and how do you approach it yourself? Yeah, I, I like to think of it as, you know, there's a lot of, I've had this conversation because the word automation can, it means all sorts of things. But in our world, given that we have, we're working with small businesses, it's really, how do I get more leverage out of myself, right? If I'm a small business, I really want five copies of me to do things. And so automation for us really means more hands to do the things that might be as simple as sending a thank you email or essentially sending something at the right time or showing it to the right person. A lot of it is the things that actually systems are better equipped to do. Knowing, for example, that you're a Facebook user and not an Instagram user or that you prefer an email or this is when you open your email so I should send it at this time. Mm. So I see automation as things that are kind of doing the things that actually automation is good at and ideally is opening a window for a marketing person to really put kind of heart and soul into communication and say, for a particular segment of customer, what is the right way to kind of really connect and deliver a differentiated message? And a lot of times that's weird or funny or engaging or basically whatever your brand is, is on strategy for who you are. This might sound idealistic, but so be it. You know? <laughs> I mean, I like to think that it, it could lead to kind of a creative explosion of, hey, there's a lot of variety and a lot of a lot of ability to actually be even closer to your customer when a lot of kind of housekeeping is taken care of by automation. Mm. I like that view of automation for sure. So if we think about your path and you know time at Nabisco in the 90s, a lot's changed since then. And besides just, you know, you're on this path of natural curiosity and figuring out the next thing. How have you managed that change and transformation over that time? I, you know, like you said, it's mostly just curiosity. Mm -hmm. You know, I've always just been interested in what's new. Mm -hmm. Even, I guess, now we have terms for it. It's a gadget geek on, <laughs> you know, on the gift list. You know, I, I had an Echo three years ago. So there's just, oh, wow. you know, yeah. I, I am wired that way to want to, especially as it relates to tools around communication or things that are in this weird, this fuzzy consumer technology space, because I know it's going to turn into a marketing tool, you know, like it or not. And so I feel like that's just natural curiosity. And, you know, I do my best to try to stay up to date with more hardcore technologies. And I think probably just it's why I am where I am because I like what I do right. and doesn't feel like work when I'm doing it. Right. Is besides registering for that next platform account, is there anywhere you go to get information about how it's being used? I'm just curious if you've got resources that you would recommend to others. Probably most of the, it's, what's weird is that, you know, you're talking to someone who is, I was interested in technology when from a marketing perspective, it was the launch of Windows 93, right? right? And so the technology world has just sort of consumed everything. And so we've gone from, you know, I had to do a 
pre-web, right? There was no web and you had to, accessing the internet was this arcane set of commands to, it's now, it's everywhere. And so in many ways, it's just there, you know, it's in every article, it's on every publication. Yeah. And I think the, in some ways, that's the easy part now is, you know, access to the technology and what's new. The harder part I feel like is how do we get back to the human part? Mm. And how do I leverage the fact that it's not one size fits all anymore? It's the creative explosion part that is the hard part. And how do I build a brand that feels, you know, real? Mm. Well, good. Well, I should say before we get too far into this, congrats on being named to the Adweek 50 last year. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. It's well-deserved, I imagine. And we're going to talk a little bit more about your work at MailChimp. You know, MailChimp's expanded to offer a lot of digital marketing tools I, I wasn't even aware of until I was preparing to do this interview. And I'm a user of MailChimp. I have no excuse. I should know. You're telling me I'm doing a bad job. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just not paying attention. Just... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fair. It's fair. I'm not paying attention. You know, but where is MailChimp going? I think I registered long, I don't even know how many years ago at this point, to manage email communication. But where is it going now? Yeah, I think, I mean, our customers are really looking for, you know, they want more of marketing. When we talk to them, basically, they want us to make more things MailChimpy. And that is essentially more accessible, pull more things in, in many ways, bring more of the parts and pieces of marketing together. Because I think a lot of our customers have this challenge of everything is is spread all over. They're in social platforms. They're in, obviously, they're in email. They might be in an e-commerce system. And it's very hard to kind of bring a lot of these pieces together. And ultimately, the promise of digital is that at some point, you should be able to figure out what's working and what's not. And I think we're looking to sort of you know, given how high performance email is for so many different categories of businesses, when we bring it together, we can do things that we can, I can see email plus a Facebook ad or email plus Google remarketing or email plus, and it doesn't always have to be email. It could be a landing page plus Google remarketing, or, you know, there's lots of different combinations and recipes. So I think we're well equipped to kind of help people learn not only how to put things together, but know when to put them together and which combinations actually generate the business performance thereafter. So would you classify yourself as an emerging marketing platform? Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So looking at new things to add to that platform over time. Yes. Okay. So we did just launch landing pages and that's a good sort of glue you, yes. know, yeah. you know, it is the, also for a company that's been sort of in the realm of very challenging email clients and what you can and can't do inside of Outlook 2008. <laughs> it's very liberating to just say, hey, it's the Internet. There are all sorts of things you can you could just go wild. <laughs> you know? That's funny. So I have been, like I said, I've been a user for a number of years and I've, you made this comment a minute ago. You users want things to be more MailChimpy. And when I hear that, I think about, you know, the reason I was attracted to MailChimp to begin with was the design and the ease of use. Yet, kind of a pretty sophisticated handling of, of issues, like you just said, whether it was multi-email client support or RSS feeds into email newsletters. 
but it was always streamlined and fairly simple. How do you guys do that repeatedly? It is a wonderful thing to be in marketing where there's a great product, right? You can't, you you know, that the product team and the engineering and the operations team marketing's job easy. Yes. Because it is an intense effort and there's a lot of, there's a lot of effort in trying to make things, make things actually relatively easy to do, even complex concepts. And it is definitely part of our DNA. And some of that is just, we know who our customer is. And a lot of times we're looking to, we realize, and you probably know this as a customer that a lot of times there are really sophisticated tools included, but they're not all right out there in the front, right? So you right. might need to kind of go behind somewhere to kind of find stuff that might be intimidating to somebody who's maybe creating a, an Instagram ad for the first time, or they want to put a, a hero image in the background. And we're always trying to, there's always more we can do. And we're, we're very tough on ourselves in that domain. And as you know, There's a critic at every millisecond on Twitter to tell you what you're not doing right or where you could do better. So we listen intently to what our customers tell us. And our motto is to listen hard and change fast. And we definitely work at it. Right. And I imagine, I don't know, I don't know how it operates internally, but just imagine that there's like a voice of the user throughout every development team and I don't know if that's true, but I don't know how you infuse that ease of use. I'm just curious. Is that the case? Is Pretty much. I mean, we really do talk to customers a lot. And I think that was one of the things that maybe impressed me most when I got to MailChimp was just the level of research and the connection with customers. It is not an abstraction. Right. So at all sorts of levels, whether it's current product, you know, new things that we're thinking about. It is definitely ingrained in our culture to talk to customers and listen to them and present things to them for feedback. It's sad to say that that's not always the case, especially in a technology company. So so kudos for that. It shows. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. There's a big team that's working on it all the time. (laughs) Well, so let's talk a little bit about the brand because the brand has this personality as well you know, and how you communicate. Even the funniest part when I originally registered was the chimp talking to me mm-hmm. through error messages or other things. Where did that come from? And how do you, as a, you know, the leader or shepherd of that brand, how do you stay true to it? You know, that was definitely when I got to MailChimp, it's a little intimidating. You know, it's sort of like if you take over a Chanel or a big brand or a place where the brand is really beloved by many You know, as the marketing person, a lot of times your worry is, okay, and we're on this great trajectory and everything's great. It was, there's a, hey, please don't mess it up, you know? Uh, (laughs) know? So, So I was very interested to understand, you know, what is sort of behind the brand and why is MailChimp MailChimp? And, you know, the, what I came to understand was that everything we do is very meta, right? So I'm marketing what is really a marketing platform. And a a lot of what we're doing is modeling the behavior that we're actually trying to inspire in our customers, Hmm. right? And so it was a little over a year ago that we ran a campaign, which was mostly billboards, but it was being yourself makes all the difference. And the point was, it's largely, hey, you know, MailChimp has gotten to where it is. And thanks to it's, it's really about being different and standing out. 
right? And that is actually a message that we're communicating to our customers is that if you just, if we were just email, right, or put up a thing was like, this is the category I'm in and had no personality and didn't connect at an emotional level with our customers. And a lot of times the business that we're in means that a lot of times the people that are using, that are in marketing have kind of a creative bent to them, right? They're communicators, they're creative. And so I have a creative audience. And so ultimately that drives the, you know, what is the brand that actually is going to resonate and what is the the style of communication that's going to resonate with a kind of a communication oriented creative audience. That's an important kind of realization. So in other words, we're not like an enterprise software ERP system sold to the CIO of Fortune 100 companies. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Right. I think that's a lot of the insight of why MailChimp has been successful and probably will continue to be successful is that we are a brand and we do connect in an emotional level with our customers and ultimately People want to be inspired. They want a a sense of connection to the brands that they work with. Right. Well, I think that feeling of not wanting to mess it up (laughs) makes a lot of sense. I didn't plan this, but I think the podcast will be right before yours is with the CMO at MasterCard, who's Indian by his ethnicity and grew up in India. And he had this explanation to say the same thing because he inherited the priceless campaign. But his story was around what he calls the new bride syndrome. And apparently in India, when you get married, the new bride comes and lives with the rest of the family. And there's this, I guess, thing that's repeated over and over is the new bride tries to put her stamp on everything, you know, from cooking, the style of prep of the food. And it's usually always a disaster. <laughs> and so his mentor said, you know, remember, don't become a new bride the next time you take a job. So anyway, I think there's some nice corollaries between you and, and Raja at MasterCard. So... That's a good story. I like that one. Yeah, it was one I'd never heard before. And anyway, I think it's very appropriate, especially when you're inheriting something that's come before you, was originated before you. And I think it makes a lot. I think it's good sage advice. I do too. I had a challenge of being, you know, I had to keep it weird. Honestly, yeah, yeah. it is a little. The personality is a little quirky. It's a little quirky. So, well, you're a technology company, and I think it's kind of interesting that so many technology companies, you know, Apple, Amazon, Google, Mailchimp, you guys are using traditional tactics like TV now. A lot of those companies have for many years, but I know it's relatively new for Mailchimp. How do you think about the marketing mix? 
in general? Like, when did that make sense? I guess, you know, probably like most companies, I mean, I have, uh, business objectives, but I'm usually trying to tie in what media we're using to what is it trying to accomplish. And there are performance media and there are, I think there are some channels that are, like say, for example, we've done a lot of outdoor, we've done a lot of hand-painted signs. Usually I think we're looking for a vehicle for, you know, so for the Did You Mean campaign last year, you know, we made bags of crushed potato chips. So, you know, we're, we're really kind of tuned into, you know, what do we think is going to get the message across? And I think we use TV uh, relatively sparingly when right. we feel like we've got something that's either weird enough or interesting enough to appeal to a either a large audience or a narrow sort of set of kindred spirits that we can find out there. And I think we're like everyone else, probably we're, we have to learn our way into it and hence we're very keen. We're also very keen to explore with our own marketing because everything that we do is, you know, we're trying to learn and figure out are there lessons that we can actually pass along to our customers. Right. How does creativity play a role? I mean, you talk about things from bags of crushed potato chips to outdoor signage to TV to digital, I'm sure. What's the role of creativity in all of that? How do you think about it? I see creativity as kind of a vehicle for a couple of different things. One is, Definitely, it's it's how you differentiate yourself just to, with a pure marketing hat on is I need to stand out in what is a very crowded marketplace. And so there's just, I've got just regular marketing stuff I have to do. And I think where we kind of, I perceive a, a higher bar for us creatively is the fact that it's our vision. I am working to try to inspire my customers, right? So we see our marketing as we're modeling behavior that we would like to see in our customers. So we're, we have a, a very high and ambitious sort of bar for creativity. I've never been in a place where I talk, where we talk just collectively about, are we being creative enough, <laughs> which is not, I just haven't had that conversation <laughs> that much then and not been in like in the middle of an ad agency or something. Right. So right. We think about it all the time, and it's very much kind of part of who we are because we recognize it's important for differentiating ourselves in the marketplace, but more importantly, it's how we really kind of connect with our customers. And if you think about going to market, how do you decide what you do in-house versus you know with partners outside? Yeah, the it's mostly, <laughs> let's see, I think it's probably we're looking to create you know, we have a lot of creative people in-house and there's some things that just make sense for the in-house team to work on because they're, they'll know the details probably better than anybody. Some of it is also capacity. It's very easy for marketing to dream up about a gazillion things that we could never actually get done. <laughs> so it's whatever my eyes are too big for my stomach. I think it's that one, yeah. right? That's how marketing kind of always is. Right. So we have some things that we go out for that. And then others where I think we recognize that, you know, it's a big creative world out there. And I feel like we can learn from other creative, you know, whether it's a creative agency or, you know, creative cats that are down the street. I don't know. And I think we're very humble and sort of saying, are there folks that we feel like that could be additive or, and, or sort of help us reach out and kind of connect with our customers in a creative way that maybe we don't have the skills in house. So we try not to have a, you know, not invented here kind of syndrome. One of the things I think you mentioned the last time we 
we spoke was, you know, you're not always working with a big agency. You're working with designers and the arts community in general. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we have, that's sort of our, it's basically our heritage. Mm -hmm. And we've worked, we have examples of, we have a program that we've run with local artists in Atlanta for a very long time, where we basically trade out, we choose art that runs on a billboard in a part of town. And it's it's so subtle. I think most of the area has no idea that it's MailChimp because it's very, it's a very artful and sort of an expression for the design community, really. But if you're in the know, you're in the know, right? So designers know who it is and know about the program. And I think that some of what we have learned, I think, from that program is that to get really creative output and to essentially creative people want, they want some direction, but then they want a, a lot of freedom. And we actually bring that same philosophy to a lot of what we do, whether that's the copy we write or even the product marketing projects we work on internally. We tend to put designers and marketers together and give them some freedom and say, this is what we're trying to do. There isn't check these boxes and that's what you're going to do. They, we give them the space, if you will, and the freedom to kind of come up with things that are more original, if you will. That's something that's existed for quite some time. And it is, I've seen it work. I mean, it's actually how we got to the Did You Mean campaign. Nice. Well, is there any advice you'd give to other CMOs that are either working with outside partners or trying to get more creativity out of their teams? Yeah, it would be that. It would basically be, I mean, and it's a really, <laughs> especially for CMOs, you know, <laughs> you know, because the tendency is for the business people to kind of run roughshod over creative people, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is kind of the thing. You have this, this vision of hard-charging business person. And so I think focusing on clarity of a brief of what are you trying to communicate and then get out of their way, right? Give them a clear brief. And this was interesting. And the other sort of thing to communicate beyond just what are you trying to communicate was when you're working with, whether it's your internal or an external creative team, they need to know you well enough to kind of trust that what you say is what you mean. And what we have found that we needed to establish, especially with working with outside agencies, we needed to establish enough of a reputation that we are risk takers. We will go there wherever there is, you know, <laughs> right. because their tendency is to just say, this is just sort of within my two standard deviations of what every person who comes into the agency, this is what they want. Mm. Whereas you need to be able to kind of break down that barrier and go, no, 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 I really mean be as weird as you want, right? <laughs> right. You know? And that led to, I mean, if you look, think about the serial podcast and the Mail Kemp, what I refer to as the most famous podcast ad in history, given it's a small base. Right. But, you know, and it was before my time, so I can be over the top about it. That happened because when something weird happened, in the recording of that ad on that podcast, the ethos here was, oh, it's weird. Cool. Let's just run with it. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> It wasn't a, you will go re-record that out. That doesn't say our name and, you know, the way we, it's properly spoken. That's what happens. You know, it stands out. Right. I mean, you get something that is memorable. Nice. 
Nice. This may be a weird question, but how do you signal that you're a risk taker? You just come in crazy? That it takes some doing. Okay. You know, I think we had to figure out that we needed a way. First of all, when we find and work with agencies, we don't tend to do big RFP stuff, right? right? We're really interested in, we sort of lead with culture, right? And that's what we're really looking for. And as opposed to a lot of sort of businessy formality. And then I think when it came to our work with our creative agency, what we finally got to was that we're very visually oriented. And so the sort of Mad Men school of land on a zippy tagline just was not going to work mm-hmm. at all for us of how do I create the visual was super important. And we had to dial down expectations, right? Because I think a lot of times people are trying to do too much when they communicate. Mm-hmm. And so I think we needed to dial it down to, hey, we had to put it in more human terms. Like, hey, we're just going to meet somebody for lunch or I'm at a cocktail party and I'm just introducing myself. Please do not assume that we have to describe everything we do, right? right? Just be interesting enough to kind of get somebody's attention. Nice. And so, you know, it took a a couple of iterations. Well, it's good advice. I mean, a lot of these topics, whether it's clarity of the brief or leading with your culture, I think those are all great great points to take away. One of the things I love to do with these interviews is get to know the person a little bit more. And I love this question. I hope you don't mind it is, you know, is there an experience of your past that defines who you've become? I always find the most defining experiences are all of my failures. (laughs) I think those are the ones that really teach some lessons and things that don't go well or things that are you know, so I think so often, so often it feels like everybody covers their tracks yeah. of, hey, everything's been perfect forever. And I've had, I think as it relates to MailChimp and marketing, I feel like I worked on the launch of a product, a software product in a prior life that was for small businesses that was very local. And it was, it taught me so many lessons. It wasn't a giant success in terms of, you know, I had to learn that I was well in advance of what the small businesses were ready for. I mean, I learned a lot of things that MailChimp already knows. Mm. And I think it was some of that just, hey, you've been sort of through the ringer in the small business and software business. It taught me a lot of empathy for small business customers and how hard they work and the hours they work and how difficult software and hardware and smartphones are. But it was a very difficult thing for me personally. Right. A thing that wasn't that I put a lot of effort into that was not successful. So Hmm. I think that and also probably the fact that I was in a identical twin brother. I'm number five of six kids. Wow. I'm used to sharing. (laughs) (laughs) Used to sharing, but I don't know. Were you also a fast eater growing up? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You had to fight for what was on the table, I imagine. Exactly. So, uh, well, what fuels you? What keeps you going? You know, I think it's largely curiosity. This has been such an interesting area of business to be involved in. You know, I mean, I think probably I work on things that maybe didn't exist two years ago. 
it's accelerated, right? It was a giant thing when, you know, I worked on the development of software for the smartphone in 2008. And so I think what's fun for me is that I have a lot of perspective. I remember when the browser came out and how exciting it was that you could download it from the University of Illinois. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, I met Jim Clark before he got together with Mark Andreessen to create this company called Netscape. So I feel like the, I've been interested in this stuff back when it was weird and now it's just sort of common currency. So it's really fun to see where it goes, but I feel like I have enough perspective on it to have perspective, to recognize, is this, does this feel like it's going to move quickly or slowly or, or whatnot? But it has really, the combination of marketing and technology turned out to be a, a really interesting area. Hmm. Well, are there brands or companies or even causes that you think others should take notice of? I'll just talk a little bit about technologies, yeah. probably. Yeah. I'm interested in, and I'm no expert in it, but just trying to figure out what's happening with blockchain. Mm -hmm. Is there something relevant for our business as it relates to how customers keep track of things? I'm always just thinking it's like an interesting technology. How could we apply that to our customer base? So that one seems interesting. Certainly voice. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of customers that are very interested in learning how to do things and I was just talking to someone the other day about what's the difference between a podcast and a radio show, <laughs> you know, not much <laughs> anymore. Well, I was, my thought was like, well, there's probably a little more planning going into a podcast <laughs> and also where do you listen to it and how do you listen to it? And, mm-hmm. and what is that going to do for how do you sort of connect with people? I think I like to think that podcasts feel way more personal than radio shows, but maybe that's, it depends on your age. Right. People, you know, my teenagers would say, what, what is a radio show? You know? right. Right. You know? That's not a thing, right. you know? So I feel like I'm always sort of turning over on my head. These are new technologies. I'd say also beyond those kinds of technologies that are sort of far out, a lot of times I'm just interested in how to sort of let customers, I'm also intensely interested for our customers and helping them figure out how do they grow their business using the, the smartphone that they have in their pocket. Right. Interesting. Well, last question for you. Where do you think the future of marketing is going to go? Be, you know, beyond my <laughs> ideal of a creative explosion, I think what's fascinating is... In many ways, everybody's being turned into a marketer. And I mean that in a good way, right? In some ways of like, hey, when you think about everybody's being trained to almost create ads in Instagram or on Facebook. And so people are finding that they're learning how to communicate. They're learning how to create images that evoke an emotion or communicate a a benefit of some sort. So in many ways, all of marketing is being democratized. And so I think it just sort of raises the bar. You know, it's sort of like, hey, when we had three television channels, things were kind of grim. But now that there's sort of unlimited entertainment channels, it's amazing. I could just sort of watch stuff on Netflix or Amazon all day long. So in the same way, I feel like marketing and communication is just going to keep getting better and better. And I think it's up to us to kind of take advantage of those capabilities of our customers. And meanwhile, on the marketing automation front, let the robots do the stuff that the robots are best at. (laughs) I like that view of the world. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. 
It is my pleasure, Alan. Marketing Today is brought to you by Atomic. Atomic focuses on unleashing the growth potential for clients we serve. Atomic is a strategic consultancy specializing in business, marketing, brand, and innovation. Our singular goal is to help you accelerate your efforts with the right mix of expertise, analysis, and creativity. Check us out at Atomic.com. A-T-O-M-C-K.com. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me, with writing and editing by Kevin Greeley, social media support by Megan Woods, art and graphic design by Sarah Dell. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners, and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.